What's going on, guys? This is Andrew from Podflix and Chill, and you're listening to Planthropology on the Podfix Network. What is up, plant people? Today is Tuesday, the 23rd of March, 2021, and we're back with another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives and careers of some of the very best, very cool plant people out there. I'm Vikram Baliga, your host, and I am very excited, as always, to be with you today. So today is, I guess, the second installment I don't know if that's technically true, but the second-ish installment of our Deep Dive series. So I mentioned quite some time ago in the way back when, not pre-COVID, but you know, in the way back when, about how I'm going to start throughout time bringing uh, guests back to talk about more of their subject area. You know, when when people come and talk to me for the first time, pretty often we're, we're diving into who they are and talking about their experiences and everything else. But these are some really top-notch uh, scientists and professionals in the plant and natural sciences industries and fields, and it's really cool to get to hear a lot more of their um, knowledge about their subject of focus. So, a little while ago, several weeks now, um, I was on Twitter as, you know, you do, uh, doom scrolling, worrying about the fate of humanity and what the aliens will think of us when they show up. And uh, I came across a thread by uh, one of our fan favorites, Joe Vaughn, who was on back in October talking about everything from uh, trees in the forestry industry to uh, equity and um, inclusion and uh, being black in a STEM field and in a forestry. And he had posted this long thread about old growth forests and you know, I'm I'm a tree guy. I'm a uh, self-proclaimed tree guy, and I very much love reading and studying and hearing about trees. And I started to realize, like, reading his thread, that I didn't really know much about what old growth meant in terms of trees and forests. It's a term we bandy around in the industry quite a bit, and, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know that a lot of us really know what that means. And so he posted a thread in response to an article that he had seen um, about what an old growth forest actually is. And I thought that would be just a, such a cool episode uh, of Planthropology, and it'd be a great opportunity to do another deep dive episode for y'all. So I messaged Joe, and uh, he was gracious enough to give up some of his time to talk to me again. Uh, again, he's just one of the nicest guys, and I love talking to him every chance I get. Um, I'm glad that we've gotten to be friends through this podcast, like so many other folks that I've gotten to meet through this whole thing, uh, whether on social media or otherwise. And um, we got so into it, and I was having such a good time talking to him. I didn't really leave a good break for a mid-roll, so I'm just going to get that out of the way now. Hey, you know what you should do? You should go follow Planthropology on the social media places. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Search for Planthropology. It's Anthropology with a PL slapped on the front. Look for the bristlecone pine drawn by Dr. Beth Nichols, and uh, that'll be me. You can also find me on TikTok for some reason, doing old man stuff um, at the plant prof. Um, but yeah, follow along, connect, uh, join the Planthropology's Cool Plant People Facebook group. It's a good time. There's lots of memes. Everyone loves memes. And uh, some good questions and answers and really just some nice folks who are also listeners to the show and uh, also just friends of mine who probably join the group out of pity. 
I'm okay with that. I'm not above that. So um, anyway, I, without rambling too much more, I'm trying to think, what else? What else should I talk to you about? Oh, leave a review. If you don't mind, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to head over to Apple or CastBox or um, Stitcher or really uh, Podchaser or anywhere else that you listen or can interact with the show. Leave me a rating and review. Tell me what you think. Obviously, I really love five-star ratings and glowing reviews, but I also want you to be honest, and I want to hear what you think of the show, um, and I want to know what things I can be doing better. If you've got ideas for the show, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you know someone who you think would be a really great guest on the show, hit me up, uh, message me on social media, um, email me at planthropologypod at gmail.com. You know, send a messenger pigeon. I don't care. Get in touch with me and we'll figure it out. Uh, If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash planthropology. And for as little as like a buck a month, you can be involved and you can help make sure that this thing keeps happening. Is that all the stuff? Mm, Yeah, it's probably all the stuff. It's all the stuff I'm going to talk about anyway, because I want to get to this episode. So uh, strap yourselves in, grab a toothpick made from a tree. And I don't know why. I just had, you know, I come, this is, this is an aside that I, uh, come up with those things on the fly and they rarely make sense. So whatever. Anyway, Jovan is, I know one of y'all's favorites and he's certainly one of my favorites. So, uh, get ready for our deep dive episode talking about old growth forests with my friend, Jovan. All right, what's up, everyone? I'm back with Joe Vaughn, who you'll remember from, oh, I don't even remember what episode number, uh, a few months ago, um, when we talked about the timber industry and trees uh, and and a whole lot of other things. And um, we'll get into our topic, but I saw something that Joe had posted on Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought this would be a perfect little episode to catch back up with Joe. So, man, how are you doing today? I'm great. It's a sunny day here in Georgia. Um, I might have a little lack of sleep lately because I am a new father, which has been a really great development over the last four months. And uh, I'm loving every single minute of it, even the sleepless nights. I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations. I know we had, we had kind of talked uh, last time you were on, uh, maybe off the off the podcast about how you were getting ready for, for dad life. So you're enjoying it so far? I am. I am trying to strike that harmony. I, I won't say balance of the work-life um, mm-hmm. harmony, just making sure that I'm coming home at a reasonable hour just because our schedule is so highly variable. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been an adjustment. It's been a challenge. I'm hoping to get really good at it, but uh I'm fine with just being okay right now and keeping everyone alive and healthy and happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Th- that's almost like the perfect thing. My wife and I talk about this a lot. How like, you know, we're all just doing our best. And like at the end of the day, if if like everyone's happy and you mostly end the day with a smile on most people's faces and you eat and you're alive, everything is going well. And I think that uh, as, as a parent we're really bad sometimes about putting like all this pressure on ourselves to be like the perfect parent. And some days like being an okay parent is totally acceptable. And I think that's great. I'm sure you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. And um, 
No, so I don't know. People might have noticed that I've taken a little hiatus on Twitter. Um, but this topic about old growth today that we'll discuss uh, got me fired enough, fired up enough to talk about it on Twitter and try to find the time between some naps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The nap life. I get it. Um, yeah. So I saw um, I saw your, your Twitter thread and it was really good. I mean, so if you're if you're not following Joe on Twitter, you need to go do that for sure and check that out. But um, I had seen an article, which, again, I think may have been the same thing that kind of uh, um, like initiated your whole like step into this um, topic. But it's talking about like logging old growth forests and cutting down all these things. And I started thinking about it even then. I was like, you know, that's that's an interesting concept. And it's it's popular like in the news sometimes. But uh, then I saw your thread and I was like, oh, this would be great. So be great. So, um, just just starting off, what what is an old growth forest? What is old growth? Uh, so that's a really good question. I think there is a perception out there that old growth is, um, you know, specific age, a certain size tree. But honestly, old growth forest is a group of trees in the late successional stage of forest development. So, what does that actually mean? That's so technical jargon, a lot of verbiage. <laughs> um, so if we look at the stages of a forest and how it grows, um, you have uh, basically a new forest where you have pioneer plants. Um, and then it slowly over time will grow into perennial plants and grasses. And then from there with this nutrients and sunlight and water, it'll go from shrubs and woody plants. And then from that, it'll actually start to grow into what we kind of view our, our trees. Um, so you have young trees. And then after the young trees comes this climax force or what could potentially be an old growth force because it is the late successional stage of forest development. So it's this kind of final uh, mature before the cycle all repeats itself. Huh. That okay, that's really fascinating because even in my head, I would not have thought about it in those terms because we call it old growth. So you think, oh, these trees are 5,000 years old, right? It's like this whole idea of, oh, we're cutting down the ancients of our world. But, but no, it's, it's really more of an ecological term, isn't it? That's right. Very ecological. And so I think. You know, when I personally read articles about logging old growth forests, I mean, that's why I got on Twitter and had to do my research and check my own biases and challenge my assumptions and really figure out what is it that people have a problem with when it comes to old growth um, logging. And I wanted to make sure that I understood the terminology old growth. And in that Twitter thread, um, and what I learned in my research is that there are so many definitions, even professionals, um, you know, all the different foresters. Um, I'm sure Tyler, who was on episode 40 of Planthropology, might have a different definition than sure. I will for, for old growth. And so, you know, as experts, we have the responsibility of providing context for technical terms um, because we'll use these terms in verbiage used in legislation, um, just mm -hmm. like we will see probably in some of the articles that come out about old growth. 
That's I, I really like the the way you say that that we're responsible for providing context and 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 because because the facts are facts, right? We talk about that, but like, what do you do with that information? And as, like you say, especially when we talk about regulations and legislation and and the managing of these old uh, old growth forests or this these natural resources in general. That's that's really interesting. So. Um, so what I, I'm trying to figure out how to ask the question I really want to ask, but so if we have an old growth forest and we go in and uh, here's an example of this, this is maybe a better way to approach this. Um, I was in, at Lake Tahoe. It's been quite a few years now <laughs> for my honeymoon. Um, and like one of the things they were talking about is the logging around Lake Tahoe and how a lot of the trees were, you know, 100, 150 years old when they could have been, because when people came in and settled, they logged it and all that. So what is the, uh, and this may be even a little bit beyond the scope of your research, but what what is the reestablishment of something like this look like? So if you had an old growth forest, someone comes in and cuts it down, what happens then? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so I'm fairly new to this concept, but you know, I've studied civil culture or, you know, the art and science of manipulating the landscape. So how do you get to old growth? Um, and I think this is one of those maybe areas of ambiguity where people believe that old growth forest has not been disturbed. And so if we look at civil culture, um, we need to be able to use the either natural or human disturbances to create a final product, which would be old growth in this context. So I think it's very possible that you could take a young forest and thin it out. Um, and, you know, I will just put a disclaimer, clear cutting is a thinning. Basically, if you look at the ecosystem as a whole, hmm. um, so even though you might have a large swath or large acreage, of timber removed from the landscape, it is still that small piece within the entire landscape. So back to thinning, you might thin out some trees, create space among those trees so that more light can get to the forest floor um, and mm -hmm. that there's not so much competition for the trees that are trying to soak up those nutrients. And so as they grow, um, they start to eventually mature and be the climax species um, within that forest. So it's all about how do you simulate that natural disturbance? It might be self-thinning in a forest, or it could be human disturbance by actually having people go in and remove trees to kind of help along that process. And I think there's a large debate about if that's the best or right thing to do. That's okay. That's really fascinating. And it seems like, uh, you know, it's not exactly the same issue, but it seems like it kind of, uh, toenails in a little bit with like, we discussed a little bit last time you were on about, um, uh, prescribed burns and, and, and prairie management and forest management through, uh, fire and that kind of thing. So I know they're not the same issue, but in some ways I can kind of see the similarities of the, the discussion around the whole thing. That's right. And I mean, I'm really thankful that we're here today discussing this because my answer isn't the end all be all. Um, you know, I think since we're here discussing this today, I really hope it prompts, you know, people to talk more about it in the SciComm community. 
Um, Because like I said, I had that Twitter thread and I was having to do research to challenge my own, you know, assumptions and biases. But, um, you know, that's what I think is the general thought process of how you get to old growth. And it requires disturbance of some sort. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So let's let's talk a little bit um, before we get into some of the specifics about harvesting and uh, some of the legislation surrounding that. Mm-hmm. Um, what what like do we still have a lot of old growth forest? I would think we would have to. Yeah, so I really had to dig deep and use the infamous Google to find this answer because <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's a really great question," and. I honestly did not find the concise answer of Google telling me, oh, there's this much percentage of old growth left in the United States. And I really think it depends. So what I did find is that there's 818 million acres of forest cover and that there's four main types of forests in the United States, the boreal forest, tropical rainforest, subtropical forest, and temperate forests. that definition of old growth forest, we explained that it is the late successional stage. Um, and we have to consider the spatial and spatial and the scale of that forest. So you could frankly have old growth and boreal forest, tropical forest, subtropical forest, and temperate forest. And I would point out that here in the Southeast, where we have a lot of pine plantations, a old growth forest could be something that's 30 to 40 years old. And I don't think oh, wow. a lot of us would consider that to be old growth just <laughs> with what we might have as experiences. That's really fascinating. Like I, you know, I, I think it's, so I'm 33 years old and the thought that uh, there's old growth forest that's like was planted the year I was born is really weird to like wrap my brain around a little bit. Um, so uh, you know, you, you sent some information along before uh, beforehand, but um, you know, you, you have a list here of the America's five old growth forests. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, in the research, you know, trying to answer that question, what is the remaining amount of old growth? It's like, okay, the next best thing I can do is find what experts say are old growth forests. And so even as I was reading this article titled Discover Five of America's Old Growth Forests, I still had the question, I wonder how they're defining old growth forests. But Mm. further reading the article, they had made suggestions that the Tungas National Forest in Alaska, which I believe is an example of boreal forest, um, Mm. is one of those old growth forests. Um, something that's really close to me here, well, not here in Athens, Georgia, but not too far away, is the Chattahoochee National Forest that's located in South Carolina and Georgia. Then you have the Allegheny National Forest in Pennsylvania, um, then the Adirondack State Park in New York, and then the Jedediah Redwood State Park in California. And you know, when I had the thought of what old growth forest is and what it looks like, I always think about the redwoods just because they're so big, massive. Um, They've been around probably longer than the United States has been around. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Have you been to any of these? Uh, I I have not, um, except for Chattahoochee National Forest. Okay. Because that's so close. I haven't 
Yeah, sure. Well, I, you know, I think we've I've talked about a lot how I live in the middle of nowhere, in the you know flattest, grassiest part, <laughs> it, you know, maybe place on the planet. I don't know. Uh, but so I would love to go. I haven't visited any of these, and they're certainly places that are on my list of like I love trees, you know, obviously, but um, it, you know, and there's something about I think just the thought. Uh, And and, and actually, the context that we're talking about today is really helpful because like any forested area you're in, you could think of as, you know, this these these trees are the apex of this uh, plant ecosystem. And so it gives me, I think, thinking about it, even a a bigger appreciation for any forested area uh, that I'm in. And I would ask you, um where you're at is pinion juniper, um, a common forest, forest type um, or species in the area. So not where I am. Um, okay. I think that when you get uh, northwest of us into like um, northeastern New Mexico and uh, you know southeastern Colorado, southern south central Colorado, uh, a lot of those pinion uh, uh, forests are more there. We're uh, so I I live actually in a um, uh, medium to short grass prairie. Okay, uh, and and so it's you know you can watch your dog run away for two days, um, <laughs> but but uh, you know there there is actually evidence. Um, we don't really have like forest land, but if you get kind of a little bit east of here, there are a few native trees, and there's evidence that. You know, people like to say that, oh, there were no trees here before cattle drives, et cetera. But, you know, we found fossil records of very old mesquite trees and other, uh, you know, short, short to medium size, like scrubby kind of um, mm-hmm. uh, tree species that that date back, you know, from carbon records four or five thousand years. So there was, uh, I think what I would call, you know, older tree species or more permanent tree species, but you know, we're more of a prairie land or uh, in parts of it, even savanna kind of land than than a forested area. It's I got you. I guess why I had be. maybe asked that question was I could see PJ potentially I mean, I am hesitant to say it is or could be old growth just because I'm not sure. But um, if PJ could be old growth forest, it would not look the same as the redwoods in California just because. PJ doesn't grow very tall um, from what I um, remember, and it might not be as big as those red, redwood trees. So again, it just kind of, you know, reminds me of that notion um, that we're talking about late successional growth within the forest uh, succession. Well, that's, and that's a really important point to make that, like you said, it, your your brain goes to these giant redwoods you could drive a car through, right? Because that, that feels quote unquote like old growth. But, you know, then you look at something like um, uh, the bristlecone pines in the Great Basin uh, part of the United States. And these things are, I mean, those are the ones that literally are thousands of years old. Yeah. But to look at them, you wouldn't think that. Um, you know, they're these short little twisted scrubby looking. I mean, they're not super short, but they're not a big tree. You know, they're these scrubby looking weird things, which I love. Right. I think they're amazing. But uh, so uh, moving on to ser- some of the more like I-, I would say like industry and maybe even legislative or regulatory aspects of this. Um, what is the 21 inch rule? 
Yeah. So I think, you know, so on my Twitter thread, I, I said that old growth could, um, you know, invoke a lot of different emotions. And it certainly did for me when I noticed that the article that I was reading um, had this 21 inch rule where in this old growth, and I think it was in the Pacific Northwest, most likely in Oregon, where the legislation there says that trees that are larger than 21 inches diameter at breast height or DBH Mm -hmm. are technically the old growth trees and cannot be removed. Um, And, you know, I thought, well, that's kind of different than what the quote unquote experts are saying are old growth trees. Because again, you can have a fairly large tree that isn't very old, like here in the, you know, Southeast with pine plantations. I see trees that get harvested all the time that, you know, might be 32 inches diameter at breast height and are maybe only 25 to 27 years old. Um, So I just thought that was pretty um, interesting to see. And I don't necessarily agree with that 21 inch rule because I'm not sure if it accounts for some of the biological standards of Hmm. what scientists would think old growth is okay oh that's really interesting yeah because i mean you know especially from an ecological standpoint but like you said some trees grow really fast and uh you can get a 21 inch dbh tree in some species in really not very many years and so that's Mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting so uh can you talk a little bit about like best management practices for this type of uh, uh setting or or in terms of the industry Yeah, absolutely. So this is where I put on my industry cap and I can really talk about, you know, harvest regulations. And I think the question was asked, you know, what are the harvest regulations when it comes to logging old growth timber or forest? And I couldn't find anything specific other than maybe some of the newspaper articles that said, do not cut trees that are over 21 inches. And so Instead of coming from it at that, I do know um, and have done this where everyone has to follow best management practices when it comes to harvesting timber or trees. And people are probably wondering, what is a best management practices or practice or BMP? Well, in the industry, in forestry, we are always trying to minimize non-point source pollution and thermal pollution. Non-point source is basically making sure that we don't have soil erosion or sedimentation go into the stream. Um, you know, if that were to ever happen, that means that we're disrupting the natural state of that ecosystem and honestly not being good sto- stewards. So a lot of this is mandated by, I believe, the Clean Air and Clean Water Act. Um, and so it's kind of this checks and balance system. If you want to remove a natural resource from the land, you have to do this at the very minimum to make sure that you're being sustainable, you're, protect, you're protecting you know, the ecosystem services like clean air, clean water. Um, it's continuing to be a carbon sink. So BMPs are really important to the industry, and that's something that I really hope maybe alleviates some of the... Uh, maybe the emotion that is invoked with logging old growth mm. forests. Yeah, that makes sense that, 
it's not, yeah, I, I think that's something important for people to understand for sure. And we talked about this some um, in, in our first couple episodes together that it's not just a free for all. You're not just like going and, you know, uh, cutting down everything. There's there's really tight and well thought out, I think, standards for um, the, the way that y'all do your job. That's exactly right. Um, a lot of these times where you get to the point where you're going to harvest timber, that means you are following a forest management plan or forest plan. Um, and, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, they have this really great, I believe it's the Northwest Forest Plan um, that, you know, basically says how they're going to be good stewards to the land and make sure that they account for, you know, spotted owl hab habitat or making sure that they have um, clean water in that area. Um, so, you know, logging gets a bad rep and, you know, hey, I can totally say I'm not naive. There has been, you know, some bad logging practices in the past. And that's why we now see the push to doing best management practices. Well, and I think, you know, honestly, that's the, the thinking from an industry stand for, uh, standpoint and shoot, even just like a, a human standpoint, I think that's maybe the, the most we can ask from a lot of people is we recognize the issues that have been there and we work to correct them, right? And, it, you know, the industry is constantly improving. It's constantly innovating and adapting to the, the new climates, both, you know, literal climates, but also uh, uh, political and economic and everything else. It's, it is not, um, it, it's sort of a living, breathing thing. That's right. And I guess, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say what those exact BMPs are. Do you mind if I share? No, go for it. Um, so you're probably wondering, what's an example of a best management practice when it comes to timber harvesting? Um, so again, was doing my research and, you know, this is something that I do as a stumpage forester for a lumber company. I have to go outside and make sure that we're leaving trees and down logs that could be perfect habitat for wildlife. Um, we're also making sure that we're creating a streamside management zone or SMZs where trees are left as buffers along streams to protect water quality and fish habitat. Um, in my research, I did see that in Oregon, I believe on national forests, that some states limit the size of clear cuts. And I recently heard this week that even the state of Alabama has something like that. Um, so that was something new that I had learned. And then I guess the last two that I would mention that come off the top of my head is that, you know, the forest roads that are constructed in a forest, um, we construct them in a way to prevent sediment from getting into the streams. Um, you know, I'm not sure if many people realize, but you can have a career as a forest engineer within the forestry um, profession where you go to engineering school, you learn how to construct some really great roads. Um, you use uh, material like rock to stabilize the road, or you might put in culverts to make sure that water flow isn't impeded. Um, hmm. So that's another thing that is a BMP. And then lastly, um, states do have the power to prevent harvests on steep slopes to mitigate landslides. And I think that is something that is probably fairly common, at least lands, uh, landslides happening in the West, um, you don't want to remove that root system, you know, those trees are supporting the ground and things like that. Well, yeah. And like I said, those are, those are all incredibly well 
thought out both from a, a policy standpoint and industry standpoint, but just from a scientific, you know, there's, there's reasons that, that y'all do the things you do. I think that's, no, I think those, that list that you just went through is really helpful when, as people think about how y'all make decisions and how the industry works in general. I think that's really useful information. That's right. Just trying to be good stewards. <laughs> um, well, and so, so kind of uh, along those lines of, of just overall environmental stewardship, um, can you talk briefly about maybe some of the differences and benefits from uh, old growth forests, maybe versus some of these replantings and new plantings as they go in? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we're looking at benefits, both old growth and I guess you can say new growth, um, they provide a home to a number of different species and organisms. Um, You know, because these forests are located where they're at, usually close or in a watershed, they they protect nearby water systems. And they're also, they can be a carbon sink. And I think that's something that's getting a lot of traction and a lot of popularity, especially as we try to combat this looming threat of climate change. Um, And then, you know, digging in specifically, I had to, you know, do my research again. What were some of the benefits that old growth forests that new, you know, plantings or plantations might not provide? And one of the things that I came across was that old growth, because of you know, it being this late successional stage has a lot more fallen and decaying trees, which probably I would make the assumption that it provides more wildlife habitat. Um, you know, so there's more places that the critters can uh, go scurry and hide to. And I'm sure that these old growth forests also have moss and lichen, um, you know, so that's something that's different than these new plantings um, just because the new plantations or plantings uh, just don't have that resource that is abundant, but it'll eventually get there as it continues to grow. That's really fascinating that, yeah. uh, And and I like that last point you make uh, is that it it, it gets there, right? And, and, And this is maybe a weird way to say it, but in order to have, an old growth forest, it has to be a new forest at some point. It has to be a, a new, That's right. like uh, w- whether naturally or like you said, b- by way of human disturbance, it has to be new at some point. Exactly. I mean, everything has to, uh, Learn to crawl, walk, then run. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, that was, man, that was a lot of really good information. I think we kind of covered most of the, at least the the major points of of what I consider to be, you know, old growth kind of force. Is there anything we left out? Anything you want to add to that? Um, I mean, just check out that Twitter thread that I posted and, you know, help me discover what gaps I'm missing out with old growth. I mean, I am someone that studied forestry in, um, in college at the University of Georgia. And, you know, being in the Southeast, I'm not always around uh, what we usually think old growth is. But um, no, I don't have anything other uh, too much that to add to that. But that's what the okay. research shows so far. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really good information. Oh, another question I had, and this is maybe a little more, you know, podcasts are weird, because you know, people could listen to this at, <laughs> at any time, right? But we're dealing with like 
right now situations as we record mm-hmm. them. And so it's not like a radio show. But uh, so for context, it is mid-February 2021. And uh, a lot of the southern United States just went through one of the biggest cold blasts we've dealt with in in decades, decades. I know uh, here in my part of Texas where I am, it was you know, negative three Fahrenheit for on Sunday. Uh, we've, we've still got people out of power in Texas. What was that situation like in Georgia? Did you deal with some of that? So today was a very busy day at work. <laughs> um, so here <laughs> in Georgia, and I guess we've been fortunate that we have just received um, probably a higher than average amount of rainfall. Um, hmm. So again, to remind people, uh, I work for a... Um, sawmill or lumber dimension producing company here in middle Georgia. And my responsibility is uh, to really oversee the supply chain where I have to make sure that the tree gets from the woods to our mill so we can make lumber. And so with this massive storm, um, you know, I had crews that were trying to find ground to work on. Um, You know, they have, you know, families to feed, Um, You know, the mill is trying to make enough lumber to satisfy the coming season of home building. Um, But it's just been an all hands on deck kind of day and week. Um, But rain really impacts our logging operations. And it kind of goes back to some of that BMP talk that we had earlier um, in our conversation is that, you know, why does that matter? Well, we're using heavy equipment out in the woods. and you know, each track that we do clear cut will get replanted. And if we are not careful, um, and because of the conditions, we can compact the soil to the point where Mm. the roots won't take from the seedlings. So we have to make the environmental decision of stopping work, even though we might have sales quota to fill, um, you know, families to feed that kind of deal, but it's just the right thing to do. So, One of the things that I've learned in my career so far in this job, when I'm operating logging crews, you have to find the tracks that have dry ground, um, even when it rains two inches in one spot. And so I've learned that soil that has a high content of sand is a lot better with drainage. And so we actually Mm. moved two crews on a 400 acre block where it has a lot of um, sand in the soil. So it was a pretty busy, busy day, but, um, I think the true winners are the mills up in the Northeast or really in the North where they're really able to handle this, uh, really cold weather. And they've got the machinery and the staff to, uh, be able to, to run in, you know, below zero conditions. But, um, it's been a challenge, but again, I count my blessings, you know, uh, my heart is out to everyone that's in Texas, you know, without power and, you know, maybe under um, boiling water advisories. So just counting my blessings. For sure. Well, no, and, and, and fortunately, you know, personally, we've been okay up in my part of the state um, for uh, various reasons. But, um, you know, one thing we're going to see, and I was curious uh, just, you know, about your area, not necessarily even in the uh, pine plantations as much but in general uh because of our you know incredibly low temperatures and prolonged cold i'm expecting a lot of winter kill on on deciduous hardwoods this year uh shrubs that kind of things in texas you know we have a lot of plants that are marginal in the zone that they're technically supposed to grow in and we we pushed 
across the state at least one zone colder uh, in general with our with our mm-hmm. temperatures this past week, which is wow. kind of weird to think about. Um, like I said, we were negative three here in Lubbock, uh, and we're a zone seven, which means our average annual lows around five to ten. So that's mm-hmm. you know ten degrees colder. Uh, but it was also single digits in Houston, which is like wow. a zone eight or nine. And so like, you know, we're going to see a lot of winter kill. Do you think that's going to be an issue where you are? Uh, or, or do you think, I don't know. It could very well be. And I mean, as we're recording this, a uh, quick shout out today is Arbor Day here in Georgia. Um, and we celebrate Arbor Day in February um, instead of April, because this is the time where a lot of plantings go in the ground or a mm. lot of seedlings. Um, so you might have um, seedlings that are being grown at nurseries that have come out of that dormancy. And as they're planted into the ground during this time, um, not only are they competing against, you know, unfavorable conditions with too much water in the soil, um, but mm-hmm. they might have already been damaged and trans or damaged at the nursery coming out of their dormancy. But um, it's a very real possibility. We've seen this happen before in um, prior years where we get a lot of rainfall this time of year. Um, but really, to answer your question, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But I would expect you could see something um, negative happening. Yeah, it'll be it's it's going to be an interesting spring, I think, uh, throughout the southern U.S. You know, mm-hmm. one one way or the other, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but well, Joe, is there anything else you want to mention? We're about we're about done, but uh, which I really enjoy you coming back, or enjoyed and appreciate you coming back to talk to me. But is there anything else you want to mention before we jump off? There's not much that I've got going on other than I finally have completed my. Um wood processing degree since we've last talked and um, finally getting more involved within the sawmill. Um, the forestry source over at the Society of American Foresters actually was kind enough to let me be featured in their newspaper article called The Forestry Source. Um, cool. So I do have a link on my Twitter thread, um, or sorry, just Twitter profile with what procurement foresters do, if anyone's interested. Um, you know, that's something that not everyone knows about, you know, I was one of those people when I came out of school, but I'm just here trying to be a good dad. <laughs> no, Hey, I, again, I'm sure you're doing such a great job. Well, you know, I, I, I it was good to, to have you back on. I know, uh, my listeners really enjoyed, um, um, hearing from you the first, the first, uh, couple of times we had you on. So, um, man, I may, I may have to reach out to you again in the future with more, with more tree stuff. No problem. And I'll be sure to bring my network along. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, uh, thanks so much to everyone for listening. I hope you are, again, who knows? This is late March. Who knows what the world's like today? Uh, but I hope you're safe and doing well. And we will talk to you next time. Listen, y'all, I learned all the things in this episode. I really, like I said, I didn't know necessarily what an old growth forest really was or an old growth tree really was. And from an ecological standpoint, I think Joe did such a great job of explaining it and driving it home. And I'm, I'm, have learned so much through this episode. And again, I hope you did too. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for listening. It is because of you that we keep doing this. Um, Y'all are awesome. I appreciate the feedback. 
feedback. I appreciate the interaction on social media. You guys are really the best. Thanks, as always, to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for all the support and uh, for being so gung-ho about this project that I kind of just started without telling anyone. So um, Dr. Ritchie and everyone at the department has been so supportive, and it has meant the world. But um, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of everything we're doing here at Planthropology. And stay tuned next week uh, for our March edition of Plants and World Traditions, where we'll be talking about welcoming spring throughout time. I love y'all. You take care. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>